I have a uh, nephew named uh, Cody, and he, growing up, he uh, really enjoyed playing baseball. He played in Little League and through high school, and he was, uh, he was pretty competitive, so he really, really liked to, to win. And I remember he was on a uh, team when he was around 10 years old, and they got off to a terrible start. You know, and I know he's really, uh, really kind of bummed out about that. And uh, I used to go to uh, quite a few of his games, and I remember one of the games where they, uh, they lost right at the end, and uh, the kids were, they were pretty, pretty discouraged. And so after the game, he, uh, he kind of gathered the kids together, the coach, to uh, kind of encourage them. And uh, so I kind of went over there just to kind of listen in. And he, he, was he was really good. You know, just kind of, we'll uh, keep working hard, and, you know, this will turn around. And, and uh, at one point he said, uh, you know, we are the best 0-5 team in this, uh, in this, in this league. And a, a little voice kind of jumps in and says, we're 0-6. And uh, so, uh, but they eventually did start uh, winning, winning some, uh, some ball games. But I thought he was great. He, uh, you know, when you're not doing real well, he just said, we got to kind of stay the course and uh, keep, keep working hard. And uh, I want to make a little connection here with the, uh, with, with the gospel in light of that. And it's uh, the scene in the gospel is actually the Last Supper. It's a really short passage. We kind of hear Judas's name in there. And so he's going to be leaving departing, we know, we know what, what happened there. But uh, at that uh, last supper, Jesus washed the feet of his apostles to give them a, a lesson in humble service. He gave them the gift of the Eucharist. He said, do this in, in remembrance of me. And in a way, what's going on here is a, uh, it's like a, a last will and testament. What, what did he want to hand on to these, to these apostles before he goes to the cross? And I just want to share right at the, the, the end of this, uh, this gospel reading, and it's really Jesus' desire for them before he departs. And he says this, My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you should love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So that's what, he's, that's what he's handing on to him. When he was asked one time, what's the most important commandment of all? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And we hear that a lot, but it is, it is incredibly challenging. And we even heard in that, that reading from Acts of the Apostles today, where the early, those early Christians, that they're going to have to persevere. They're going to have to overcome some hardships. And it's really like any of us. It just kind of comes into our lives from time to time. And uh, to be able to live the faith out there in a life-giving way. You know, we need that nourishment that comes from the Eucharist. And we also need to stay connected to, to the community because Christianity isn't a, it's not an individual thing. There's an individual dimension, but it's that community part is very important to support one another, to be able to, to live the faith. I wanted to share a, a, a little story with you here to, uh, to illustrate this. And uh, I, I found this in, uh, the author is Father Henry Nowen. Sadly, he died at a fairly young age, in a little over 20 years ago now, but he's a great spiritual writer, great insights into the Christian life, and uh, uh, wonderful insights. And the book is called in the, in, in the Name of Jesus. And he had an interesting journey because he's, he's a very bright guy. He was a, he was a teacher. He taught at the Harvard uh, Theological Union for 20 years. But then he discerned a call to a different ministry. And uh, he eventually ended up at a place called Daybreak in Toronto. And it's a, uh, it's a facility for uh, adults who have uh, significant special needs. And uh, 
it was founded by a, 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 a Frenchman called Jean Vanier, who just recently died. And in, this is found in 37 countries around the world. And it's a, really a powerful ministry because oftentimes those who are, uh, have special needs can be moved to the sidelines. And this, uh, this ministry, this community, really treats all who are there with dignity and value and worth, and they learn and they grow in a, in a Christian environment. And so he, he felt drawn to give his ministry to this particular community. And, uh, you know, he's a very popular speaker even at that time, so he was still called upon to go out and do talks and, and presentations. And uh, in the epilogue of this book, I found this little story about him where he, he would oftentimes bring one of, the, uh, uh, one of those who were at the, uh, the facility to be with him. And so the one who came to Washington, D.C. with him was a, a man by the name of Bill, again, who had very significant special needs. And here's how, uh, here's how he describes what happened. So I started my address. I opened by saying to all the people who had come that I was not alone, but was very happy that Bill had come with me. Then I took my handwritten text and began my address. At that moment, I saw that Bill had left his seat, walked up to the podium, and planted himself right behind me. It was clear that he had a much more concrete idea about the meaning of doing it together than I did. Each time I finished a page, he took it away and put it upside down on a table close by. I felt very much at ease with this and started to feel Bill's presence as a support. But Bill had more in mind. When I began to talk about the temptation to turn stones into bread as a temptation to be relevant, he interrupted me and said loudly for everyone to hear, I've heard that before. He had indeed, and he wanted all the people who were listening to know that he knew me quite well and was familiar with my ideas. For me, however, it felt like a gentle, loving reminder that my thoughts were not as new as I wanted my audience to believe. Bill's intervention created a new atmosphere in the room, lighter, easier, and more playful. Somehow, Bill had taken the seriousness of the occasion and had brought it to a, some homespun normali home normality. As I continued my presentation, I felt more and more that we were indeed doing it together, and it felt good. When I came to the second part and was reading the words, the question most asked by the disabled people with whom I live was, are you home tonight? Bill interrupted me again and said, that's right, that's what John Smeltzer always asks. And again, there was something disarming about his remark. Bill knew John Smeltzer very well after living with him in the same house for many years. He simply wanted people to know about his friend. It was as he knew the audience, to as he drew the audience toward us, inviting them into the intimacy of our common life. After I finished reading my text and people had shown their appreciation, Bill said to me, Henry, can I say something now? My first reaction was, how am I going to handle this? He might start rambling and create an embarrassing situation. But then I caught myself in my presumption that he had nothing of importance to say and said to the audience, will you please sit down? Bill would like to say a few words to you. Well, Bill took the microphone and said, with all the difficulties he has in speaking, last time when Henry went to Boston, he took John Smeltzer with him. This time he wanted me to come to Washington, and I am very glad to be here with you. Thank you very much. That was it. And everyone stood and gave him warm applause. As we walked away from the podium, Bill said to me, Henry, how did you like my speech? 
Very much, I answered. Everyone was really happy with what you said. Bill was delighted. As people gathered for refreshments, he felt freer than ever. He went from person to person, introduced himself, and asked how they liked, how they liked the evening, and told them all sorts of stories about the home. I did not see him for more than an hour. He was too busy getting to know everybody. The next morning at breakfast, before we left, Bill walked from table to table, his cup of coffee in his hand, and said goodbye to all those he knew from the evening before. It was clear to me that he had made many friends and felt very much at home in these, for him, so unusual surroundings. As we flew back to Toronto, Bill looked up from the word puzzles that he always takes with him wherever he goes and said, Henry, did you like our trip? Oh yes, I answered, it was a wonderful trip and I'm so glad you came with me. Bill looked at me attentively and then said, and we did it together, didn't we? Often I have wondered how much of what I had said would be remembered. Now it dawned on me that most likely much of what I said would not, would not long be remembered, but what Bill and I did together would not easily be forgotten. As we landed, I said to Bill, Bill, thanks so much for coming with me. It was a wonderful trip and what we did we did it together in Jesus' name, and I really meant it. You know, for us who are on the journey, we're, we're meant to do it together. Again, we have our individual relationship with God, but if we're going to keep it strong for the journey, you know, Jesus gave us the gift of himself in the Eucharist, and we have a number of young people today who are going to be receiving the Eucharist for the first time, and it will be here that they will experience the grace of God in, in a special way. And for, for the rest who are here, it's in, in this gathering that where we, it's not, we don't always feel the presence of God alive, but, but when we come faithfully and humbly, I think the Lord always gives us the blessings we need, his presence in order to strengthen us to live the faith out there. And I truly believe he wants us to do it together. And there's going to be that temptation just to kind of veer off, but, uh, you know, stay connected and the Lord will never disappoint with the blessings that he gives to each one of us. So for these young people, may God bless you as you receive First Communion today. For their families, may you be strengthened on your journey. For all of us gathered today, let's continue to do it together.